Bill is a failed skydiver and a bear sometimes he runs. Ben's always traveling, an occasional beach bum. Phil talks a lot, Ben not at all. It's PHP Town Hall. Random guests, alcohol, PHP Town Hall. Ben created Eye on Off, he's a comic book fanatic. Phil made Pyro CMS, he's probably in a kayak. Phil talks a lot, Ben not at all. It's PHP. Town Hall. Random guests, alcohol, PHP, Town Hall. All right, welcome to the PHP Town Hall, episode 28, and loosely coupled episode 6 mashup. Uh, tonight we have Ben Edmonds, Phil Sturgeon, Matt Frost, and myself, Jeff Carruth here. Uh, what are we going to talk about today, guys? Uh, there are a couple of things I think we're going to talk about. Um, something along the lines of kind of burnout, um, taking on too much. Following on from some of your open source uh, stuff you were talking about in Loosely Coupled Episode 5, I think, of, of how you can get yourself more involved in, in open source and maybe some of the things that can happen kind of after that when you end up taking on a little bit too much. Um, yeah, how do you... How do you uh, actually, one thing I want to start uh, talking about before we talked about any of that um, which I think it would be interest of uh, to a few people is talk about where you currently are and where you're from. Like, what's your what's your um, where are you in in the world in the grand scheme of things, and what's your working situation? Because I know the stories from from two of you, um, which are fairly interesting. And Jeff, I don't really know too much about your situation. So when you say where we are in the world, is this philosophical or <laughs> geographically? I think Be- between a rock and a hard place. <laughs> Yeah, so I guess I can start this off. Um, so I live in Texas, in the United States, obviously. Um, I work for a company called Liftopia, yeah. liftopia.com. Uh, we, yes, Texas is actually its own country, in case you're unaware of that. Um, just ask any Texans, I'll tell you. Uh, but I work for a company called liftopia.com. We sell ski lift tickets online. Uh, primarily what I do is back-end work. I've been doing it for over a decade. Uh, I do so it's a lot of fun to switch between them I don't know what else what else to say that's kind of what I've been doing for a while and that's yeah that's that's it do you find yourself putting uh, dollar signs in your ruby code all the time I actually do so that's a funny thing of switching between the two like I find myself putting uh, dollar signs and using like ruby kind of favors the snake case and such, so I, I find myself mixing between the two of those. And then also uh, semicolons are a big thing, so no semicolons in Ruby code. That one catches me quite a bit. So yeah, I do. It's it's tough switching between the two of them all the time. I actually found quite a good solution to that. Um, something I started doing um, while I was working for Capture, because they have like, um, we have a lot of PHP, Ruby, and Python, um, was I actually have three different um, IDE color themes for when I'm working in each language. Sublime actually lets you do that. So I had um, uh, Dale Reese has like 100 different themes, and I picked one that was mostly gray and purple for Python, one that was mostly orange for uh, for Ruby, and one that was like, I can't remember the PHP one, like green and purple or some shit. Um, and that really helped me out, just like the visual reminder of like, oh, green and purple, that means put semicolons on, on anything. Um, really kind of helped me out, but I don't know. That's interesting, I hadn't thought of doing something like that. Although I'm not sure about the Sublime thing. It's, you know, Vim is the only editor in the world, so sorry not, about that, Phil. 
Let's not get involved in that conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to one hour of three people arguing over their favorite editor and the other person pissing off to the pub. Now, this could actually be interesting, though, since me and Phil are both Sublime guys, and you both are Vim guys, right? So it's the world of, like, really successful programmers using Sublime and this horrible podcast people using uh, Vim. Yeah, Yeah, it's quite a paradigm. Yeah, it's it's. I guess it's how things work out, huh? Do you guys want to trade so we can have you guys use Vim for a while? We'll use uh, Sublime. We could trade one person each, so it's oh, one know, person each, so it bounce it out. Yeah, that's a good idea. Am I just going to completely screw things up by saying I've actually started using PHP Storm quite a bit recently? All right, I think this podcast is over. Yeah, that's <laughs> we can no longer talk to Phil. All right, uh, Phil. Tell us where yeah. you are right now in the world. Um, currently staying in a hotel uh, because last time I did a podcast, it was on until 4 a.m. and my parents screamed at me. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm so did you rent the hotel just for the podcast? Like Pretty you love much. Us that much? For, kind of. Um, so my whole situation at the moment is that I'm back in the UK in between visas because American visas are fucking complicated. Um, and take a really long time to process. So I'm back in the UK in general, and I'm back in my my hometown essentially. Um, which any of you saw on Twitter earlier, I went to the nearest. I went to like my favourite pub and walked past a horse and through a whole mystical forest to get there. Um, <laughs> so I figure instead of uh, instead of having to worry about getting all the way back to back to where my parents live, which is quite a long way away, I figured um, I'd just stay in a hotel near the pub, and then I can do the podcast without pissing anyone off and, uh, and problem solved. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm back hanging out in, in, in my old my old stomping grounds for a while, uh, drinking all the cider I can fit in my body before I have to go back to fucking America and all I get is Magnus again. It's not, it's not okay. So you know, like 90% of our listeners have no idea what that is. Magnus is the only cider you ever find anywhere. Sometimes you get Strongbow and Blackthorn, and they're all just terrible, and everyone goes, oh, but they're from England, right? Magnus is Irish, for starters, and that's not any better. But no, it's all just terrible. So I have this. I have this. Makes me very happy. The only, the only cider I ever see is like Red's Apple Ale. Does that not yeah. even count? That's, no, dude, that's ale. It's got it in the name. The hint is in the fucking name. It's called it says cider ale. in small print. Like, that is cider. It's apple. <laughs> it's apple cider ale. There you go. That's what it is. Uh, it's a mashup. I have no words to describe how angry that conversation just made me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, that's where I am. I'm currently here. I'm, I'm doing some work. I'm bumming around. Um, I've actually got a bit of an adventure coming up. I've managed to earn myself about a month's worth of holiday. So I'm going to try and do a little bit of freelance work, but um, my girlfriend's coming over from America, and I'm going to take her on a UK-wide tour and go to London and go to Scotland and all sorts of other places. So that should be fairly good. That sounds awesome. Yeah. She's never left the country, so like like many Americans, so I get to show her somewhere else. Nice. Yeah. Hopefully uh, with all that crime over there, you two don't die. Well, okay, so compare it to American gun crime, we've got knife crime. If someone comes at me with this, like a four-inch blade, I'll just be like, fuck off. <laughs> no, it was actually a joke, because we were talking the other day, and you were talking about uh, you were biking 200 miles, and I asked, where do you sleep when you bike 200 miles? And you said the ditch, because it's safe. 
And I just couldn't imagine that as an American because I would wake up with like a homeless person licking my neck if I tried to sleep in a ditch somewhere. Yeah, so one of the amazing things I love about talking to Americans is that I can convince them of anything. Um, we do. <laughs> oh, nice. So it's not true. <laughs> it's not. It's not true. Um, I can. I also convinced my girlfriend that um, we don't. We don't have coffee in America. In England, sorry, we just don't have coffee. She was like, uh, "When I get to the airport, am I going to be able to get a coffee fairly quickly?" And I'm like, "Ah, shit. I, I don't know if we can do that. I mean." I mean, tea's quite a big thing here, but I mean, there's one, there's one or two coffee shops, especially in American diners and stuff. I don't really think we can find one. And she was like, what? I mean, I'm going to need a coffee. This is awful. And I was like, I just, I just don't know if we can do that. <laughs> I hate you even more than I already hated you. Yeah, that seems fair. Um, we, should, we should get this rolling along. Matt, what's, what's your current situation then? Yeah, so I'm actually on vacation this week. Um, I'm back in mild stomping grounds, actually, ironically enough, uh, in beautiful northwest Indiana. Um, Is this your old high school room? Because I see your name behind you, and that's kind of weird. Uh, actually, it's my basement. My mom took all the awards that me and my brother and sister ever won and stuck them on a wall. So I'm kind of uh, it's kind of a confidence builder being down here. I get to remind myself how awesome I used to be. So you played real, that's, uh, you played well, that's real actually, football then? That's actually um, – are you talking about the football? Thing? It's peewee, peewee football, actually. Um, that, was my, that was actually my brother's. I quit playing football after my freshman year. Um, but enough about my athletic endeavors. Um, I, uh, I work for Cinecor. We provide content portals for uh, telecoms. So, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, I'm normally in Cleveland, but I get to be uh, here at my mom's with my kids this week, so hopefully they don't come down and take over the episode. <laughs> oh, you, you do quite a lot of remote. What's that? Go ahead, Phil. I, we were about to say the same thing as each other, so you work remotely, right? How did you end up finding that? Gig? I do. Um, I was at uh, Sunshine PHP. Uh, I ran into Matt Turland, who was working for Cinecore Remote also, and I knew I was about ready to make a move from this area out to Cleveland, and Matt had just kind of told me that uh, Cinecore was hiring, and I shot him my resume, and he shot it over, and, you know, obviously Chris Hart just works there, and I know Chris pretty well. I know Matt pretty well, so it actually worked out really nice when you can um, – interview somewhere and, and drop two big names like that. So um, I was probably uh, pretty lucky <laughs> that I knew them and that they allowed me to be remote. So Yeah, that sounds handy. I know a lot of people try and work remotely. I mean, it's it's obviously quite a, a big pool. There's a lot of work going, on, uh, going around in America. And um, every time I say, like, oh, my friend's, you know, trying to hire someone in New York and I get 100 people being like, oh, can I work from, you know, the middle of nowhere in the UK or can I work from, I don't know, anywhere that's not there? And most companies just don't want it. It's really hard to find that remote work. And I'm not yeah. sure what the best way of going about trying to find it is. But um, it seems like for you it was kind of networking and, and lucked into yeah. the situation. And yeah, I think, you know, obviously when you when that's a requirement for you, uh, you limit the amount of opportunities that you have 
pretty considerably. I know. I think you, you and I had had that conversation a couple times. I think in the past couple of years about, mm-hmm. hey, uh, do you want to move to New York City? <laughs> now, do they want to let me work from home? <laughs> yeah, I've tried um, it twice. I won't do it a third time. After that, you're dead. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it's it seems like it's increasing a little bit more and more and more companies are kind of becoming at least a little bit more open to it. So, like, my situation with Cinecore is, you know, I, I do work remote, but I do um, – they do expect me to come into the office on occasion. Um, so there's kind of a trade-off there. It's within driving distance of my house, so um, it's not a huge deal. But there's little trade-offs. Most places won't be like, hey, we'll see you for the first week, and then you can take off, and, and we'll never see you again. We'll only talk to you on Hangouts and, you know – team chats or whatever. Yeah, my last job, I actually never met anyone I worked with. It's kind of weird. That's good if you work with people you don't like. Yeah, I worked with Mike Wells, so it worked out really well. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's fine. So the bigger bigger question about your journey, Matt, is what happened to uh, all of our favorite thing, Matt's beard? Yeah. Um... It's a really good question. So I decided at some point uh, – so it's getting hot out here now, right? It's been up in the uh, upper 80s, lower 90s the last couple of days. You're complaining because it's in the 80s, Matt? Hey, hey. We had uh, you know minus 10, minus 15 degree winters, so don't uh, – I was in Vegas. It was like 110 yesterday. Yeah. Well, I noticed you don't have a beard either. Um, it's coming in. Just a little. <laughs> oh, yeah, I see it. That's cute. <laughs> but no, so I decided I was going to make a change. Um, and I actually decided I was going to use it as a way to troll my kids because my kids loved my beard. Every time I would suggest that I was going to trim it or shave it, they would, like, freak out and get really adamant that I keep it. So I was at work, and I decided, you know what, they're coming over later. Um, I'm just going to shave it and not tell them. So I did that. And then kind of, as I told Phil before we started, uh, the episode, I, I thought I was a lot more attractive, like underneath all that. So it was kind of one of those things where I shaved it and immediately was like, what have I done? (laughs) So when you say troll your kids, you actually mean tear away something they love. Yeah. Yes. I mean, uh, be, be an awful father, yes. <laughs> Inciting emotional response is trolling, right? That's what that's what it's all about. Yeah. Yeah. They, they're fine. Yeah. My daughter, my, my new Twitter avatar, actually, my daughter drew for me um, while we were here. Despite the fact that I haven't had a beard for like a week now, she drew me with a full beard. So and they're, that's they're the probably... That's the one I said you were realistic in, right? Yes, yeah. I'm, yeah they're probably... It looks, it's very close. <laughs> Um, no, um, yeah, so I travel around a lot. I recently moved back to uh, Las Vegas. I was in Portland, Oregon for like a year. I've been working remotely for three or four years now, so kind of take advantage of that and just keep traveling pretty often and uh, enjoy it. Yeah. Had some roommates here, so it's pretty fun hanging out a lot. And it's Vegas, so yeah, there's that. Uh, my job, I work for... Uh, company called Mindfulware, doing uh, web development, mostly PHP and JavaScript stuff. 
working on some node stuff. Um, yeah, fun, fun. Have you have you won it big on the slots yet? I've lost it big on the slots. Was <laughs> <laughs> so you going to Vegas um, and play slots? I usually play uh, blackjack. It's okay, all right. Favorite. But yeah, I'm really bad at it. My wife's pretty good at it. She usually wins, but I just I might as well just flush my money down the toilet. I'm so bad at it. So anyway, um, how do you guys feel uh, about talking a little bit about uh, some of the burnout aspects that we discussed earlier? Like uh, I feel like the end of your episode was a really good way to to leave it off, where you were talking about um, uh, pick you know picking up some extra work here and there, and, and whilst you've got your job, and whilst you'd like to elevate your career to kind of the next level to get to, as Matt put it, like uh, like in Cheers, where everyone knows your name, right? That's a great way of putting it. Like, um, there are various different aspects of, of picking up, uh, various different benefits of picking up open source work and, and site projects that include, you know, more recognition in the community, but mostly um, that warm, fuzzy feeling of helping you know, of helping make the world a better place, of, of helping create quality code that people can use, that people can learn from, all of those benefits. Um, but after a while of picking up things like blogging and, and, and creating other things, doing podcasts and, and educating people and mentoring other people, you, you, you kind of find out that you're involved with a lot of things. Um, and that can get to a point when you're like, shit, how do I, how do I work out what to keep? How do I keep it all? Do I, do I kill some stuff? How do I work out what to kill? Should I should I keep trying to do all of it? And how long can I do all of this for? Like, have you guys experienced any of these sort of problems with with time management and not knowing what to focus on? I definitely have. Uh, like right now, between got the podcast, I've got some stuff I'm trying to do outside of work. I'm trying to write a book. Uh, I've got articles I'm supposed to be writing for PHP Architect. I've got a book club that I run. Mentor a few people. So yeah, I, I definitely sympathize with or empathize with the idea of, of being overcommitted. And I feel like a lot of times for me, the, I guess the, the way I deal with it is, is I look at, I actually know that I need to do, you know, 15 different things. And so I actually go and physically block out time and, and try to use that as a way to tell myself, okay, you're doing way too many things. Like, you know, you only have, you know, four hours after work until something happens. So you're like, I've got these four hours and I've got five things I need to do and they all take an hour. Like, what do I cut? So I kind of use that and, and use that as my priority and say, you know, what is, what do I actually want to do? Like, what, what is going to give me the most benefit to my career or what is the most, uh, what is the thing that's going to make me happiest? And then schedule those first. And if I run out of time, I run out of time. It's just not going to get done. So that's generally how I do it. So is that the order of things? It's, it's kind of like obviously your day job comes first and then it's things that you, how, how do you order it after that? Because you mentioned a few factors like happiness and, and money and things like, so it's the day job first, obviously. Yeah, it, has to, it, and, and it then kind of changes. So it's usually the day job and then uh, I usually go for the thing that gives me the most satisfaction at the time. So like it could be money one month or it could be uh, I, I just really want to do this. So I'm going to put that as my priority or it could be I've told someone I'm going to help them out with something. Like I, I've told someone I'm going to uh, be their mentor, or whatever. So that gets a priority because I've I've now committed myself and said I'm going to I'm going to try to help you advance where you want to go. So now I don't want to go back on that. So I push aside something that's just my own personal thing. Like if it's writing or whatever, then I'll push that aside and say that can come later. 
no, nobody else is a thing. Yeah, so I'll, uh, so I've actually, uh, I've been burned out now for, gosh, probably three months, where just motivation-wise, um, <laughs> haven't really felt like doing anything. Uh, been playing a lot of Xbox, <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, for me, yeah, generally, right, so I'm kind of the same way. Obviously, the 9 to 5 comes first, um, and there's that. There's uh, a couple open source. Jeff and I are actually running an open source project for uh, PHP mentoring to make that process of identifying mentors and apprentices and pairing them up a little bit easier. Right now, it's currently in a GitHub wiki that if you want to add yourself to it, you have to edit the wiki and then save it. So we're obviously... We're trying to do that um, with the podcast. I'm writing a book, and then there's a couple other little open source things that I've been trying to find the time and passion to do. So for me, I, I typically um, and, and I'm mentoring uh, someone as well. So for me, I try to uh, I end up focusing more on what I'm doing for other people, right? So if I'm mentoring uh, on a night, that kind of takes priority over anything else, um, mostly because I'm not organized enough and I know if I've made kind of a commitment with someone else, I feel terrible when I just forget, and I do that a lot. <laughs> I've, I've forgotten meetings and, and mentoring sessions and things like that, just like next morning wake up to a direct message like, hey, everything okay? Like, ah. Oh. Sorry, dude. <laughs> um, I've done that with multiple podcasts on this show. So. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. For me, um, I right now, I just I find so little time to actually do the things that I want to do. Um, that sometimes I just I I'll get to seven o'clock at night and just be like, you know what? I'm not going to get to do anything I want to do tonight. So, why why try? <laughs> yeah. Man. It's kind of a it's it's kind of a sad state to be in because you know I mean I, I I love what I do and and I love being involved in a lot of different things but I don't know there's just something right now it's just like every time I try to get motivated try to try to push those buttons to get that that mojo back it just kind of like it's like my brain just goes yeah whatever yeah all right fair enough. <laughs> I mean, it's hard. I mean, um, Jeff, like you were saying in, in the last episode of uh, Loosely Coupled, like you always feel like you're going to have this time in your life when you're going to be free, when you're going to have time to kill, and you're just going to sit around going, what library should I release today? And then like you're always going to have like this amazing ability to just churn out freelance code, and it, it, it just never happens. Um, like life keeps on happening, and every single time you're like, okay, I've got to get past this next three-month block, and then I don't have any more conferences, or I have any more, you know, massive deadlines, or I don't have any more freelance projects to finish off. You always think, oh yeah, I'm going to get this done, and then I'm going to be sorted. And then some other bastard books you in for a conference, or some other thing pops up, or or, or some other asshole tries giving you money for work, and something always <laughs> just pops up, and you never quite get to that point where you can just actually do some freelance work, uh, where you can actually just kind of you know, clear out all of the, the backlog of open source commitments that you have, right? Yep. My biggest problem really is just uh, over commitment. And the only way I've ever recovered from it is like rage quitting everything basically for a little while and just basically being like, just fuck everything, doing like as little as possible. And then after a few months, I'll recover. Um, 
couple years ago, I practically just rage quit a whole job because of that. And I took like the cushiest job I could and I, I did hardly anything for a year. And then I was ready to jump back into things again, basically. It took you a whole year? It took me probably about six months, really, to be Man. like... That's not encouraging. That means I'm only halfway done. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's probably, I'm sure it's different for everybody, depending on you know your circumstance, but it took me a while. Yeah. And then I, I kind of slowly... I think rage quitting would probably... Rage quitting would probably not be a very sustainable way to deal with this kind of stuff, right? Oh, like, I'm not saying it's correct. You can only do it like once, <laughs> maybe twice, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm not suggesting, to anyone watching, I'm not suggesting you go rage quit everything. I'm just saying that's how I've incorrectly handled it in the past. I mean, to quickly uh, to back that up there a little bit, I guess, I, I was talking about this on the, on the last episode we did, but I, I wasn't... I wasn't the, the most sober I've ever been when I started talking about it. Um, but I had a similar problem uh, two years ago, 18 months ago, um, where I went from, um, f- for the longest time, my career was all based around like scripts and scraps of random stuff that I was doing. We had income from Pyro CMS. I had income from add-ons. I had income from, from all these random different things, like expression engine modules that I was selling, all this kind of stuff, just stuff happening. And it, because I was involved in the Code Igniter team, I was getting... Um, Code Igniter um, uh, freelance work coming my way all the time. Everyone wanted me to do Code Igniter freelance work for them, and that was great. Not going to sound complacent about that. I know I was talking about burnout. You know, the last thing I said, I was jovially complacent um, about, ah, oh, these bastards keep giving me money. But that was all fairly well and good, um, making a fair bit of money from that and doing various things. But um, then I got a job. I got a real job, a full-time job, um, five days a week here in New York, being CTO of a startup company that basically didn't exist at the time. I had to, to launch it, get it running, do everything, build all the fucking code, hire out the team and do all that stuff. So I tried to quit as much as I could before that job started. Um, I, I had to quit the coding Igniter core team had to just didn't have time I was spending two hours three hours a day just handling issues not even writing code just handling issues had to quit fuel PHP just again fucking had to um, I, uh, I I basically open sourced as many add-ons and modules as I possibly could um, everything that was paid I just made it free so the internet could look after it by themselves just to try and just offload as much of the work as I can in the in the most responsible way possible um, I still had to keep Pyro CMS, um, uh, like it's my baby, I can't just randomly go like, goodbye, I'm done with you today, um, and, and I'm luckily, I'm gladly still part of it, but I just, I just, it wasn't rage quitting so much, but I had to just, just clear off my plate as much as I possibly could, because there's no way that you can, you can do that much open source work, you can't have open source be your entire, like, career, and then also have a day job at the same time, you have to kind of pick and choose which is going to pay me the most, and, 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 you always kind of have to find what are the most important factors at any given time, I guess. It's a constant constant way up. Yeah, it's... I, I mean, I really have tried over the years to be better at saying no to things. Because it's not... It doesn't all just happen at once. It's like the slow progression of, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, I'll do that. And six months later, you had zero free time. And like, just by nature, I don't really care about free time, but it seems like if I don't have it, that's when I burn out, you know? So like I like the idea of creating things twenty four seven, but then after a few months of doing that, I just I don't want to do anything or I can't bring myself to do anything. Yeah. So I, I really do try to be better at saying no now, but I still slip back into it. You know, there's there's been several times where I commit to something and then 
like a month later, I had to go to him and I'm like, hey, dude, you know, I know I'd help you with this side project or whatever, but I just really can't do it. It's I thought I could, but it's not going to be good for me in the long run. And that's a, a really sucky conversation to have, especially if it's a friend that you told you would help with something. But it's, uh, you know, you have to do what you have to do for your sanity. I know I've found, too, uh, with this mentoring app that we're working on that uh, I got kind of put in charge of. Um, I, it was a while ago. I don't remember if I volunteered or if I was volunteered. Um, I seem to remember being volunteered, uh, but either way. Is that, is that Chris? Did he just make you do it? No, uh, it was, uh, if I remember correctly, it was Liz Smith. Either way, it, it's all worked out fine to this point, but I, I this is kind of my first big project that I ever kind of like ran. I was always kind of a guy, hey, I'll commit some code. I'll help you out with this and that. And uh, I was blown away by how much like other work there was, you know, getting uh, get, obviously getting started on the project, getting issues in so that if people wanted to contribute, they could. You know, I kind of set up this whole, um, I kind of agreed to do it based on not being the person writing the majority of the code, you know, getting a lot of contributors and getting people involved. And it, it's a pretty big group and it's a pretty involved group. So I didn't figure it would be that difficult to to find people that were like, yeah, really excited about it. Uh, it, it turns out I was wrong uh, by and large. And I think, honestly, I think it was more just because I really sucked at recruiting people. Like, we had some people that kind of came in early and they and they did a lot of good work for us and then kind of just uh, left the project. Um, but, I mean, just with the recruiting and with, with the issues and all the org- organization stuff, all the, I don't know, all the stuff that I never ever think about and that I'm really, really terrible at really kind of overwhelmed me. And I think, you know, Jeff kind of came in and, uh, helped me with a lot of that stuff. So I think without uh, without Jeff, I don't know that we would even still have a project. <laughs> Aww, you guys. I know. He's... <laughs> yeah, I think what you're touching on is kind of an important an important thing. Uh, when you're, you know, if you're wanting to get involved in a project, I think we talked about this in our last episode, but if you're going to get involved in a project, especially if you're going to be managing the project like running the project or whatever it is a management job like you you've now got a a distributed team of volunteers who are just giving up their time giving up their free time and putting you on their calendar or whatever so you have to remember that that's an even bigger commitment than just writing code every once in a while so i think that's kind of where where it's been an overwhelming task is you got to lead this project for people that you don't know that they're even out there, right? And you're just trying to make make it work for them and make it so that they can actually come in and very easily get started in the project. So yeah, it's it's a tough thing, but I think it's it's something that's worthwhile to devote time to if if you're so inclined. That was um, where I got to with Pyro CMS. I mean, I know, Matt, you, you you've been involved uh, somewhat with with contributing to Pyro CMS, and you kind of. Yeah been in the community a while um, that was something that that ended up being much more than a like a very very brief history of piracy CMS was I was make using it for you know client work when I was running a company ages ago just dev studios just bashing out website after website after website 
obviously screw WordPress, right? So I, I ended up making my own just so I wouldn't have to use WordPress um, because that sounded awful. So Piracy Mess was born out of that, um, and uh, and I when the company ended up kind of closing down because of the recession and I'm bad at money. Um, the um, I kind of just went. Uh, I've got. Uh, do you want it? And just kind of gave it to the community, gave it to the open source community at large. Um, obviously, the instant reaction was "fuck's that." But then after I kind of fixed it up and and we got to kind of version one kind of place, um, people started to really like it. And and once I got there, I was like, "Oh fuck!" Now I have this thing that loads of people use and that people want to have more features and. So I was I was kind of just being the main coder for that, and then we had a few more coders, and then I stopped coding, and I was like, oh, now I'm I'm a project manager. <laughs> that sounds gross, and I had to be like project management and and HR person and accountant and everything else. And I was like, when the fuck do I get to write more code? That, you know, um, and even now I don't write that much code for it anymore. Um, other people do most of it, and it's it's a really weird it's a really weird transition. I will say though, from my from my time in Pyro, um, as far as the contributors uh, for things other than code, like issues and and I think Pyro is one of the best communities I've ever seen at people just kind of like doing what they do. Like there was people that would never write code at all, but they'd find a lot of really helpful bugs and put them in as issues and all you know kind of know how to report them. I was always really blown away by that. Like I think the default the default feeling is kind of like well, if I can't write code um, or if I don't know the framework or whatever, I, I can't really contribute to this project. I, I would imagine having people like that had to be insanely helpful for you uh, being the, the the project manager. I mean, yes, we had some really weird things. I mean, I, I wasn't trying to kind of hijack the conversation and put it on pyro, but I guess I have now, so whatever. Um, we had some really weird um, issues coming in, like... Um, you know, why doesn't Pyro CMS work on Abyss server? And I'm like, I've I've never heard of Abyss server. Can you maybe send me a pull request to make it work on that? Like, I I couldn't I couldn't tell you. I mean, why doesn't it work in this language I've never heard of? Because I've never heard of it. Um, so that kind of that that stuff can can happen. And if you have a large enough community of of you know um, diverse enough users that that use different different server versions, uh, different. We had somebody's um. Uh, Three years ago, they were like, "Why doesn't it work? Why you have this weird bug?" And I was like, "Send me your PHP info." And they had, they had a, a build of uh, PHP six oh oh hyphen dev from two thousand and seven or something. <laughs> I'm like, well, it doesn't work because you're using a version of PHP that you just fucking imagined. Um, <laughs> so, like having a having a like a really diverse range of users really helps you out with that sort of thing. I mean, even if you're not writing code, there's there's so many useful things that people can do. I mean, yeah. Pirate CMS now works perfectly on PHP six oh oh hyphen dev from two thousand and seven. So that was handy. It works perfect. <laughs> um, that kind of actually it leads me on. If you don't mind me kind of uh, moving that along somewhere, it leads me on to something that I wanted to talk about, um, which was when to pull request or STFU and when to do it yourself. How do you guys feel about a lot of people throw out like a just send me a pull request, piss off until you've done it, and some people some people slave away for days. How do you find the middle ground between those? A lot of times for me, it's. Um this is a feature that I don't feel particularly passionate about. So like on, on I and office, which is my only project that's worth a shit, basically. Um, 
I wanted to keep it super simple, and I didn't really use a lot of the advanced features. But then someone would suggest something that's, I could definitely see it being needed, but maybe I didn't really need it, or I just didn't really care about it. But I could definitely see it being useful. That's when I'd say pull request. Um, but if it's something that like was an actual security issue or something that I really felt I could use or was a really good idea, then I would just go and do it. Um, also, depending on my schedule. So like if I, if I was super booked for a month, I would say pull request. But if I had some time free, I'd just go ahead and knock it out. So I was a little distracted there. I saw in the um, in the IRC channel, uh, hashtag uh, PHP Town Hall on Freenode. Um, IRC Maxell saying that he saw somebody using PHP version 7 before. That's awesome, because that doesn't <laughs> exist. Yeah, I, I, as far as your question about about pull requests and, and fixing it yourself, I kind of I kind of agree with Ben. I think, you know, when you have a when you have a diverse group of users, right, you're going to get everyone's going to have different needs, and if you can justify it being in your project, but yeah, something that you're not crazy passionate about or really want to do, but you would take if someone else did it. Um, I mean, that's that's kind of how I look at it. If there's something that I really thought was going to benefit the project and was a feature that you know the majority of my users would want and use, I'd probably do it myself. But yeah, sometimes you get weird requests from people, and at, at first you kind of go, "Well, I I just I don't even understand that use case." And then as you think about it more, you go, "Okay, well, I guess that's I guess that's something. I guess that's a thing now." Um, you know, I, I I don't know if you know pull requests or STFU is the best way to go about it. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I generally, I generally don't deal with that a whole lot. Um, cause I never release anything. <laughs> I, that is that, is that the answer then? Just don't release anything. You don't have to worry never about Never release anything. And then, and then this question <laughs> doesn't even apply to you. <laughs> it's actually a funny That's thing. Awesome. Cause I have to explain to my wife pretty often why, like, why do I keep working on these things? She's like, why can't you just fix it and just stop? You know, like, <laughs> why not just stay where it is? Get to the end? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she feels the same way about her phone, though. She's like, why is there an iOS 8? There's iOS 7. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but it's actually a really hard question to answer. So, like, because it, it needs to get better, like, how many different ways can you log into a website, right? I mean, I don't really have the answer, except, you know, it needs it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sometimes for me it's a bit of a tricky one, because I, um, I don't know if I'm basically just making myself to be a special case, um, which is absolutely possible. You guys can let me know if I am. Um, but recently I've been, for the last year or two, I've been using a lot of projects that need to have a lot of pull requests. Um, I've been working with Chef, uh, with Puppet, with all sorts of different um, Chef and Puppet modules and you know cookbooks. Um, I've been working with uh, two or three different frameworks in two or three different languages. Um, I've I've been working with a lot of things, and every single time I come across a bug or a, or a feature that should obviously be there, or some sort of documentation thing that needs to be done, I try and send them a pull request, as all good open source developers should. If you notice a problem, you should try and fix it. Um, but I've got to the point now where like I'm finding bugs faster than I can genuinely fix them. And as we talked about, as I talked about earlier, with the kind of the burnout aspect, um, 
there's there's only so much open source work you can take on before you start to feel crazy. So I already have my own open source commitments, right? I already have um, to-do lists um, on my on my packages, like Fractal is on 0.8, and I've got a whole bunch of things that I've promised people that I'll implement in the to-do list, and loads of people want various features, and I've got to try and manage the issues, and I've got to manage those pull requests. But at the same time, I've got a to-do list with 10 different pull requests that I have to now do for other people's projects. And I'm trying to get all of those done whilst I'm trying to get all of my own open source work done whilst I'm trying to somehow make some fucking money, right? And that gets a bit nuts. So I, it's really weird. Like in the past, I have, I have said to people, pull request or SDFU. I used to have a fucking T-shirt that said, pull request or SDFU. And if they were asses about it, I'd just take a photograph of them and just be like, just, do what my T-shirt says. Um, but <laughs> re- recently, I've started to like... I won't say that I'm never going to say it again. I won't say that I'm ever going to say, hey, maybe you go send me a pull request. But, And I also understand that everyone's busy. I completely understand that everyone's busy. But recently, I've come across so, so, so many things that, that need to be pull requested. I just can't pull request all the things. I can't fix every fucking open source project on GitHub. Um, it, it just, it's getting a bit much. And it started to annoy me that, that pull requester SDFU is now so prevalent. That, that I'm kind of running into those barriers a lot. We will never fix all the open source projects with that attitude. <laughs> <laughs> I would draw a line there, though. Like, I truly believe pull request or shut the fuck up is a valid response to a feature request. Now, to a bug request, though, I don't. Like, I love getting bug issues or whatever reported because I can just fix those when I get time, and they're actually things that need to happen. But for features, I'm pretty, you know, I think you know, pull request or whatever is a pretty good response if you need to. For bugs, though, the people that go and find bugs, like, I'm pretty thankful for that because yeah. I'm a horrible QA tester person, and I know that, you know. So anybody that can help me there is, is nice. Yeah, I think I think my um, first usage of pull request or SDFU was when I was involved in the Coding Matter core team, and literally every day we'd have 10 to 20 feature requests for just bizarre shit fall in, and it'd be like, why doesn't the Firebird SQL driver have this feature? I'm like, I've never, I've never installed Firebird. I'm not going to go and write you that feature. Send me a pull request, and I'll probably just go, yeah, sure, merge, whatever. But like, I'm not going to go and do that for you. Um, I think that's a fairly good way of drawing a line, right? Feature request. If you want it, maybe you go do that. If if it's a bug, let me know. If you can, please do fix it. But otherwise, I will try and get that fixed as soon as possible. Do you guys? Yeah, I think uh, for me, it also kind of. Go ahead, Jeff. Uh, I'd say for me, it would also kind of depend on how, like, the approach, right? Like, how someone comes in. So they're asking for a fee. If it seems like they're, like, demanding the feature or, like, I need it right now kind of thing, then it's like, well, if you, you know, if you want to prioritize your your life, that's fine, but you can't prioritize mine. So send a pull request if you need this right now. Uh, that's that's kind of where I would generally use that is, is if it seems like something that's not extremely beneficial to, anyone besides that that one person or like a very small subset of of the audience of the project i would use that as the metric for should i should i entertain this as something that i should do right now or is it something that can kind of wait until either this person gets around to it or i do like just kind of put it in the backlog yes yeah, so we have a question from uh, i like to give it a little wait just to just to make sure <laughs> uh, i have a question from somebody uh, chuck reeves on the qa system um it's the first question we have from somebody this week that isn't asking, are you actually reading the questions? Yes, we are. We just 
waiting for a good one. Um, the question, <laughs> the question it's is, not, it's not just that they all suck. It's also that they might not be pertinent to what we're discussing. So we're having to jump <laughs> topics. Ridiculous. And, and it's not that they, uh, it's not that they all suck. It's just that they've all sucked so far. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, the question was, how do you guys explain uh, open source software to non-tech people? My wife finds it strange that I do work for free. I've had a lot of those conversations. Jeff, how do you, how do you go about explaining that? Yeah, so uh, I actually had a boss um, a while ago who I told him I was going to go to a conference and go present something, and he was like, "This is complete and total madness to me that you would that you would spend time going out and doing this for free." He was like, "I, you know, he worked in advertising for a long time, and he goes, I would never come up with this awesome way to get everyone to buy whatever product I'm trying to sell, and then go to my all of my friends or all of my competitors." Hey, this is how you do this, and so like I, I kind of took that to be a question of like, why do we do stuff for free? And I think uh, the biggest point for me is just uh, I explain that it's it's about uh, it's about practice. Um, it's about it's about getting experience and things that you wouldn't necessarily have uh, experience in otherwise. And it's about being able to really explore areas of of types of code or types of projects that you would not get to do, like you're not being paid to do this or whatever, so you're, you, need, you need an outlet to be able to experiment with things. So that's that's kind of the main motivation that I would have, and that's kind of why I say it's it's a useful thing. But as far as, like, why would you give why would you give away uh, stuff for, for free? I guess it's just, it's it's fun, right? Like, it's it's something that I enjoy doing, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write software whether someone's paying me for it or not, so... Why not contribute it out to other people so they can use it, and then get get that validation or get uh, yeah, basically get validation that what you're doing makes sense or is is useful. Yeah, there's a couple ways I explain it, and this is something my wife has wondered about a lot too. So there's a uh, one way is it's just exposure and it's helping the community. You know, there's been this there's a lot that we rely on as developers from people before us, and it's good to contribute back to that. Um, it also keeps you relevant. It's opened up a ton of job opportunities, that sort of thing to me. But uh, also, one way that I, I think I explained it best was, whoa, Matt, wow, your face is close. So anyway, <laughs> so uh, one way I've explained it best, I think, and really relates well, is that you wouldn't you wouldn't think it's weird for an artist to like to work a day job and then paint at night, you know, because that's their creative outlet. That's the way they they do what they love to do and get out their creative energy. So for me, it's the same thing. It just so happens that I write code during the day too. So um, actually, the way I explained it to her was a, a photographer that works at you know a studio all day taking canned shots, and then at night they go and do like landscapes. Um, and that kind of got the point across, I think. That's interesting. I um, the question for me has actually come up less. Uh, my mom definitely thinks I'm weird for doing the conference thing, so I can relate to what uh, what Jeff said about that. Like, why would you just go and do that? And um, I think, though, kind of touching on on what Ben said too for exposure. I think, and I found this more and more in the past probably two years that getting to know people and networking with people is. Um, really, really helpful for your career. So getting involved in projects, uh, being able to kind of show uh, a group of people, even if you never met them in, in person, 
that you're capable of doing good work and contributing to a project and, you know, sometimes jumping in on a project that you're not horribly familiar with and still being able to be useful demonstrates uh, a certain skill set that makes you more desirable to employers. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, um, yeah, selfishly, I, I do it. I justify it by saying it helps my career. So as Americans, you guys are all really happy with the concept of communism, right? Yes. Um, I often de <laughs> I often describe it as kind of the the, the best part <laughs> of communism. <laughs> how about but, uh, how about socialism, Phil? Not communism. Okay, either one. Um, but I mean, it's a lot it's a lot easier to stomach socialism than. <laughs> yeah. Americans are hugely. Any of you seen Animal Farm, the uh, the book? Any of you George, read that book? Uh, George Orwell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that book started off pretty well. It ended up pretty fucking shockingly because that's just a, a bunch of <laughs> shitty pigs were running in the situation. But the other the other pigs were pretty cool. Um, but the way that it, the way that it kind of works is like, yeah, we we all we all work on stuff. We all have um, skills that are good at certain things. We all, we all work really hard and we, we hone our skills whilst doing our jobs, whilst creating these bits of, bits of software, and then we share them with other people so they don't have to worry about doing that. We don't, we don't all have to learn how to be butchers because butchers are butchers and we can, you know, the butcher does that and this person does that and we all just share the benefits of our work. Um, so, so people like Alex Bilby, he, he, can, he can read off the OAuth 2 spec in his sleep. I was staying at his house, and I'm pretty sure I heard him like talking in his sleep, and it might have been the R2 spec. Like he is insanely good at that. Um, and and I, I've been doing a lot of work with APIs recently, and I'm starting to release a few packages, Fractal, and a few other things that help with API development. Um, everyone's kind of got their got their skill, got their little thing that they're working really hard on, and we're all just sharing the benefits. So I'm I, I spent um, a year and a half for Capture building a crazily large API um, using Laravel. Um, and obviously, I, I saved a lot of time using Laravel, so I put time back in by sending him an ass load of pull requests. I got like 20, 30 commits into Laravel during that time. Um, I, I then released Fractal whilst I, I worked. I, I created Fractal whilst working on that API, and, and it solved problems that I had. Um, and all of those, all of those things, kind of came along. So I, I put the time and effort that I had into into you know, giving back to other people. And, they gave me code that was useful as well. It's kind of the very, it's the nice parts of communism. We all work together, and then you kind of have that nice little element of capitalism stacked on top that we've all got this code, we've got the product, and we fucking sell it. Best of both. <laughs> the nice part, yeah, I could, I could buy that. Nice, the nice part of communism. <laughs> Without all the murder. Right, yeah, communism minus the murder. And much the less nice part of communism is open source development. <laughs> That's how it starts. Also, I'm I'm really sorry, America. Please do give me that visa. I would love to live in your country, and I'm not a communist. So that's. I'm sure this this praise communist line is going to go well on your visa app. Oh dear. <laughs> Which, uh, by the way, shout out to our buddy Matt Frost right here. He's also pretty good with the lot too. I hear. With what? Oh, You're writing the a law. book on the law, right? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I thought you said the law. I'm like, I don't know anything about the law. I didn't want to totally gloss over your Olaf work. And, uh, yeah. You know, you're sitting right here. I felt good about that. No, yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I actually, actually, you had to change gears a little bit. I want to hear a little bit about 
the mentoring things. That sounds kind of interesting, but I, I really don't know much about it other than you're working on some app. So you want to know about at, like the mentoring program or the actual application? Both. Both. All right. Um, we'll start with the actual program. So basically, uh, we have a channel on Freenode called PHP Mentoring where uh, a lot of people kind of get together and hang out. And the idea behind it is that people that are looking to kind of build their skills up in uh, certain areas can be matched up with people that are uh, quote-unquote subject matter experts in that area. Or, I mean, in some cases, even just better than you are and you want to learn it. Um, so we try to facilitate the pairing up of those people uh, through that channel and through kind of that whole branding and organization. Um, I've done it a few times. I've actually, I, I'm on my second uh, apprentice now. Most of the stuff I do is, is test-related. Um, but, yeah, so it's basically, it's kind of like, hey, I, I tend to think of it as kind of like a, a, a weird, uh, like, dating site. Like, hey, so-and-so, meet so-and-so. <laughs> a communist guys, dating site? Yeah, a communist dating site. <laughs> and you guys should run off together and mentor, <laughs> right? And I feel like we we insulted the whole gamut tonight. <laughs> My offensive comments earlier, and then Phil promoting communism. Hey, you know, <laughs> I want to be clear: PHP mentoring does not endorse uh, or associate with communists. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so we basically just uh, we pair we help pair people up, kind of just by having a common area for people to meet, and then it's kind of up to them to set their own times and schedules and frequencies um, to have um, meetings. And I don't know, everybody kind of does it their own way, whatever way kind of works for them. Um, but we do. Uh, I'm gonna hijack this, Jeff. Sorry. Um, as far as the app goes, right, so when people do get paired up and we we, we kind of want to track who's with who and who's available and who's not available so we don't send, you know, we don't send somebody to a mentor that has, like, eight apprentices, right? Like, hey, this person's really good at this, and they have all the apprentices and no one else has any. So we do try to keep track of it, and uh, as I kind of alluded to before, right now we're doing that in a GitHub wiki where people go in and they enter themselves as an apprentice looking for a mentor or a mentor looking for an apprentice. And then we keep another section at the bottom of people that are currently paired up. Um, it was fine when it was like eight people, uh, but now if you go in there, it's uh, there's a lot of people looking for mentors, and there's a lot of mentors looking for apprentices. So what we're basically trying to do with the application is kind of allow these people to create profiles and set the skills that they want to learn and the skills that they feel capable of teaching and then uh, kind of allowing people to search for them and you know at least get in contact with with people that they know that they know uh, kind of meet their requirements for what they're trying to learn because uh, because what's pretty typical is people will come in and go help I need a mentor and you go, okay, well, what do you want to learn? And they go, everything. <laughs> you're like, well, 
look through the list and see if there's someone that mentors and everything. You know, how do I come? They want to learn PHP, dude. What's that? How do, how do I PHP? Will you mentor me in PHP seven? Actually, that's a that's a question. Do you get a lot of that? Because I know even as running open source projects, I'll get a lot of, "Hey, how do I use PHP?" Because I want to use your library, and I'm like, "Like, come on! Like, I could help you use my library, but I can't teach you to use PHP for two years, so you can eventually use my library." You know? Yeah, I th- I think we get we used to get a fair amount of that. Um, it wasn't worded quite that way, like how do I PHP? It's more people like, you know, I've been playing with PHP for three months and I've, I can do kind of some basic stuff and I want to kind of take that next step. Can someone help me learn everything so that I can take that next step? Um, what we try to encourage people to do is come in with a specific kind of goal or set of skills that they want to learn. Like, Hey, I really want to get better at object oriented PHP. Okay. Well there's, you know, X, Y, and Z people that, do the design patterns and the architecture stuff and, and go talk to them. But yeah, generally it's like when, when we press people for what do you actually want to learn? What are you actually trying to improve? They just kind of go, uh, I don't know. You know well, and, until you know, we can't really help you unless, you know, somebody wants to take that person on. It's kind of up to them, but, Generally, the the more focused you can get on what you're trying to learn, um, the easier it is to find a mentor. Now, if I wanted to sign up uh, as a mentor or a mentee, what kind of time commitment am I looking at? Um, it it really it's up to you. It depends. It's it's kind of a, an agreement that you set up with uh, whoever you pair up with. Um, it could be you know weekly, bi you know bi monthly monthly. Um, whatever kind of works for you, you know, you're, you're donating your time to help someone for free basically. So, you know, to set, uh, an across the board limitation on will you have to meet weekly or uh, a set amount of time, um, kind of devalues that, that, uh, I don't want to call it a sacrifice, but that, that time commitment that you're willing to make. Now, is it like structured or um, how do I put this? So like I could totally see just being like you know here's my IM info, contact me you know like when you need help with things here and there as you learn, or is it more like you know an hour a week on Skype kind of thing? Or here's my home address. Here's yeah. my home address. Just show up whenever you feel like it. Yeah, <laughs> I've got I've got a guest room. Um, Whoa, because yeah. I like the idea of it, but I'm. You know, like we talked about earlier, I'm pretty prone to being burnt out, and so I would right, be afraid right. that I would overcommit myself by signing up. So I've been pretty fortunate um, just in the sense that when I've actually mentored and when I've been mentored, I've kind of seen a whole bunch of different styles. Like when I was uh, – when, when Chris Hartges was mentoring us, he you know he wanted to have Skype calls a week, and, and I found that really, really helpful. And the first person that I mentored, we started out for probably the first year just doing it over IM. And he would ask questions, and we just kind of IM. And then we we later moved to uh, Hangouts. Um, but then I've had uh, mentors that have just been like, yeah, if you've got a question about something, uh, email it to me. 
and it just kind of depends at the the level of the apprentice, how much hand holding they need with certain things. Um, you know, if, if you say, like, like if you go in and you say, okay, I want to mentor in this, and someone approaches you and says, okay, can we have a call every week, and that doesn't work for you, then you're maybe not the right person to mentor that person. You know, they, they need more than what you can provide them. What happens if you start mentoring somebody and you realize that they're a dick? That's up to you. <laughs> what you happens? Can... <laughs> you sign up and you hit Phil Sturgeon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so if you so if you sign up and you get Phil Sturgeon, um... you win a prize. <laughs> yeah. You win, yeah. You win a free cider. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, no, I that's gonna be quite awkward, right? If you if you sign up to agree to help somebody, and and I mean, um. Uh, that was kind of a silly question, but if like if yeah. the relationship doesn't really work out, right? Can you can you can you back out? Is that yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah, I mean everything once once you kind of make that, you know, really all the organization does is just kind of facilitate people meeting each other, and if you find, uh, you know, because of time constraints or personality conflicts that you're not the right person to help that person, um, I mean, I would just su- suggest being honest about it and just being like, look, you know dude or girl this isn't working out you know I don't know if you feel the same way but I'm having a really hard time I don't feel like I'm getting through to you um, yeah. you know maybe suggest them some other people with uh, maybe a different personality or different kind of demeanor so if, if you get a dick <laughs> just refer them to Phil Sturgeon refer, yeah there you go that's the way to do it yeah one of their own kind I have I have a great tolerance for assholes as we've seen on the internet yeah, yeah yeah but no I mean some people just have more patience um, yeah you know it, it kind of depends the more honest you are up front about kind of where you're at you know the the tendency I think for people is to want to be better um, farther along than maybe they really are and you may find out once you start and you you know you're expecting them to be at this level and you do your first session and you find out they're actually not anywhere near the level that you thought they were at um i mean if you have the patience to get them to where they need to be then great and if you don't um i mean i've never had a bad experience with it so uh I mean, not to say that they don't happen or that they couldn't happen, but I think the fact that we put a lot of the onus on the apprentice to find a mentor, so we don't – typically people come in and say, hey, I need a mentor, and they expect like eight people to jump in and be like, yeah, I'll mentor you, and that's <laughs> that's not really how it works. We tend to say, you know, look at, look at everybody, what they're teaching, you know, people that maybe you've seen on Twitter or you've seen their GitHub profile, and, you know, approach them privately – and see and you know see if it would be a good fit. So that we, we do, yeah we do tend to put a lot of the onus on the person looking for help, and um, try not to open it up, you know, as a free for all for everyone that needs help to come in and and have eight people jump on their request. Yeah, that makes sense. I was having a conversation with a with a few people recently actually where this kind of same thing has come back and it's. Um, it ties into a few of our conversations um, where recently I've been feeling overwhelmed with the number of contributions that I would like to be able to make to existing open source projects where like I have feature ideas or I've noticed like lacking or inconsistent functionality or I've noticed bugs or any of these problems and I feel like I can't do it all myself 
Um, and that, that's been a problem and obviously burnout comes into that where I, I could do it all myself if I could fucking cope with doing 24 hours of programming a day. Um, all of those things kind of to me in my head come back to I it would be great if I could help with mentoring so I could kind of help raise more people that know how to do this stuff so that then they can help with the stuff. It's like instead of trying to do everything by myself, maybe you know coach some more people and help them do it. Um, but then that that obviously is even more of an investment of time so I can do even less of the same things I'm trying to do. So it's a constant, right. like, vicious vicious cycle of, like, do I do everything? Do I do some of the things? Do I do none of the things and help other people do all of the things? What do I do? Help me. And then I just go to the pub and forget about it all. But it's <laughs> it definitely seems like a really worthwhile cause. I'm just trying to work out if it's something I could ever really hop on with because I've yeah. got a lot of shit on my plate. Well, it's like, a, in that case, it's like a big upfront investment for a future payoff. Yeah, and you you know yeah you kind of have to be able to justify that in your own mind like yeah I could teach so and so how to do this but I could just go in and do it yeah and maybe maybe I'll get burnt out maybe I'll overextend myself a little bit but I can't wait and the other downside is what if um, what if I train up all these people to help you know go out there and and, and PHP like uh, like the pros. And then they will decide to become WordPress core contributors. What have I done to the world in that scenario? Well, <laughs> we actually—I uh, <laughs> was say we actually have a jail that we would throw you in. We would throw you in this, in jail. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a group on mentoring for jail for just assholes? For jail, <laughs> um, there there's been some people that are just obviously trolls that have come in that have been kick banned and stuff from the channel. Uh, but it's it's not been a it's not been a real serious problem from from what I could tell. All right. So, what's the channel and what's the website if uh, someone wants to sign up to? Okay. Uh, the the channel is PHP Mentoring on Freenode, and then the website is phpmentoring.org. And then if you want to get involved with the application, which, you know, the, the idea behind that, one more thing I'll say about that since I'm trying to get more people, um, is we actually wanted to kind of use that project as an opportunity for mentoring. So kind of a, a, a little bit looser um, pairing kind of with multiple people, you know, a group of people getting to do things that maybe they don't do normally at their day job or, you know, introduce people to some technologies that they may not be familiar with. Um, if you if you want to look at that, uh, that's on GitHub uh, under PHP Mentoring. So if you search for PHP Mentoring, you'll see the Mentor app, and <laughs> we had a really creative name for that. And um, you know you can get involved there. You can fork it and start issuing pull requests, and we all we all kind of hang out in, in the Freenode channel. So. Sweet. That's really cool. Now, what are your kind of goals with the app, though? Like, um, you mentioned working on it a lot. What do you need help with? You know, anything you can sell to the community? How do you help me with this? Uh, my, my goal is to get it done. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just been um, it's been more, uh, more time of me coding than I think we anticipated originally. Uh, we're using Backbone, and I think a, lo a lot of the back-end stuff is done, so... If you're like a, a front-end whiz or a, a backbone-type person, um, that's kind of where we're at now with with needs. Uh, we just really the so it's so it's a 
API-driven site. So we've got the API basically done. Um, kind of like read Phil's book halfway through it. <laughs> um, so so Phil might hate it. Um, <laughs> you got tired of all the Britishisms? Yeah, I was like, what is what the hell is he even talking about? What's up, Chris? <laughs> there are far too many U's in that book. There shouldn't be quite as many U's for you for you Americans, but uh, yeah, just how it works. Well, yeah, you and you, you and the Canadians. <laughs> I apologize. But, so, right. if there was anyone left that we hadn't offended yet, the Canadians handled the rest. I don't think we've covered Mexico yet. Well, you've covered Mexico plenty, Phil. History. Wonderful. Um, I actually have. There's two questions on the panel here, um, and and Jeff, I know you've got some troubles. Um, I think you're mostly just on a delay. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to throw you a question, and then we're all going to just wait for, for for Jeff to get the carrier pigeon, and then he can answer. <laughs> it's so. not actually. It's not the the connection. He's actually just. He takes a very long time to think through his answers. That's good. That's good. I, I take I take zero time and just spout things out, and that causes problems for everyone. So I'm glad that we have a reserved guest. Um, well, not a guest, a co-host. But we're all co-hosts this week. Um, so thanks for being a guest on the Loosely Coupled podcast this week, Jeff. It's been very <laughs> yeah, lovely. it's been my pleasure. I've always wanted to be a guest on my own podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, the question we have is from Davy Shafik. Um, Was that the question? Who, Hold on. How do you say that name with a proper British accent? Ben and Jeff, the, the question is, shut up. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm going with Davy Shafik. I don't know if that's how it how it works. Actually, I think it's... Um, I think it's Shafik. Right? Shafik? I, I, legit, Shafik. I legitimately... Yeah, I don't I think, care. I think you pronounce this, it This is how much I care. This is how much I care. None. None. The question is... Hold on. We could kill ten minutes here. I'll kill you. The question is, <laughs> as a contractor, how do you feel about OS, uh, OSS, open source software clauses, that uh, that your work can and will be open sourced in contracts? So I guess that means so I'm reading this and trying to think at the same time. Um, so I guess you do uh, you do some paid work, some some contract work, and then they get to open source it afterwards. I guess that's the question. Shout on me on IRC if that's not what you meant, uh, Davey. Um, have any of you guys ever come across that, where like you're you're being paid to work on something and they plan on open sourcing it afterwards? Does that cause any problems? Uh, do you do you maybe charge less or do you charge more? How do you deal with that? Um, so for me, since you were originally going to ask me, I guess uh, for me, I would I wouldn't really have a problem with that, um, especially considering that I contribute to open source software anyway. So like. Personally, I wouldn't really think that's a big problem. I guess it would just it would, it it would also kind of depend on what exactly I was doing. Uh, but I think that's fine. You're it doesn't really matter to me where or if my code gets open source. Like I worked for uh, Sugar CRM for a while, and their whole thing at the time was their commercial open source, or they may still be doing that. I don't know, but. Essentially, it's you know it is a commercially licensed product, but there's an open source version as well. So a lot of stuff that I did on the lower levels of the application was open source anyway, but it was my day job at the same time. So I was I was working for them and open sourcing it. So I, I don't see that as a big as it would just depend on on the situation. And if I was working on something that 
I didn't really want open source, yeah, I would definitely jack up my rates. But I do that for anything that I wouldn't, that I don't necessarily want to do. Matt, have you ever run into that? Not really. Well, that's easy. Shortest answer. I've run into the opposite of this, where someone contracted me to build something that could be easily open source. And um, I, the approach I usually take is I, if it was something I actually gave a shit about open sourcing, and I would keep it under my brand, my brand would be uh, I would offer them half off of the time that I spent writing it. So, for example, um, working with uh, Shu and Forshaw, which I know you've done as well, Phil. There's been a few cases where you know there's some library he needed, and so I'd say, hey, you know, I'll I'll build this, but I'll do it you know half off if you let me open source it. Basically, and that's that's actually been pretty nice because it's it's basically like you're getting paid to open source stuff. You might not pay as well. You know, it's it's a win-win for both of you. Yeah, absolutely. I've done the same thing. I mean, it, it's been with um, random coding meta libraries that I've released. I think um, I, I can't remember the name of any of them, though, uh, just for like you know API wrappers and stuff like that. But um, the same with uh, Pyrocms CMS features. If someone has quite a lot of the work that I used to do for Pyrocms CMS used to be, um, we need a website that does X, Y, and Z. And I'll be like, cool, Pyrocms CMS does X and Y out of the box, but Z, it doesn't do that yet. And if it's not something that would fit in as a custom module and it has to go into the core, then I'd say, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll charge you full rates for X and Y, but um, but Z will have to be, I'll have to, I'll have to charge you for it. But once that's done, that will be in Pyrocms CMS, so I'll do it for half price. Or if it's a feature I really, really, really want, I might I might do it for free, or I might do it for like 20% of the cost. Like It depends on how much I want to do that. Um, I've never come across a client that, that went the other way, where they said, like, we are going to pay you loads of money, and then we're going to release it for free. Like I've never had that, but I, I, many times I've had people say, like, oh, well, this is something that you might be able to open source, so maybe we could pay you less. And I'd be like, yeah, totally, pay me less. I'll, I'll, I'll just release it, and then other people can use it, and I can use it on my next project. I'd much rather get paid 20% half the amount and then be able to use it in my next project and hundreds of projects afterwards than, than one jackass just goes, we own this. You can never make anything else like this. If you if you make code that's even vaguely similar, we own that too. I hate you. Um, so, yeah, it can work out pretty well sometimes. Sweet. How are we doing? Sorry, time, I think I think we all get distracted by Jay McCall sending a gift of uh, Matt Frost doing a, a deal with it, but with like forty different sunglasses coming down <laughs> his face. Uh, if you're not in the IRC channel, it's uh, PHP Town Hall, no spaces on Freenode. It's uh, it's a fun time. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for everyone. Um, the last question I think we should because it's probably getting close to time is uh, we have a question from. Uh oh, uh, Taz Schnitzel. I'm gonna go with uh, Taz Schnitzel. That's I assume that's his name um, or her name. Um, the question is, how do you how do you deal nicely with somebody who is too reliant on you for solving problems and is too quick to ask you rather than figure it out themselves? So this is the the person that worked out you're a nice person and you're you're ready to help, and and now you're their Google. How do you how do you kind of separate yourselves from that, Ben? I'm sure this makes me a really shitty person. But I usually just ignore them for about a week <laughs> and see if they figure it out in that time. If they haven't figured it out in a week, I figure it's worth me helping them. But, you know, they usually figure it out within a week. 
in the meantime, their entire company has just gone down the shitter just because you couldn't be bothered <laughs> to reply to an email. You're a terrible person, Ben. I don't know how you live for yourself. Now, if they want to pay me, I will respond to every stupid-ass question you want to ask me. <laughs> I have done that once or twice. I was like, actually, this is quite a complex subject, and I'm pretty sure we could cover it in a one-hour Skype consulting session. Here's, here's my rates. <laughs> oh, dude, yeah, I've done that. Like, if I and all people are like, hey, how do, I, how do I make this do that? And I'm like... That's outside the scope, but for X dollars an hour, I would be happy to add that to your custom version, sir. Uh, that's a good question, though, because there are, um, especially when you're when you're on IRC, you know, there there does tend to be people that sometimes will wear you out, you know, just ask you everything under the sun, and once you get past that, like, oh, I'm being really helpful and this person, I'm going to get this person to this point and then they're going to leave me alone and then they don't. Um, I don't know. I think, I know I've done it a few times. I've done, Ben, I've done your thing a few times where I'm just like, la, 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 can't hear you. Um, But sometimes, too, I'll just be like, look, you know, I'm happy to help you. I've got limited time and I know that you really want to learn this, but there's resources that you should read and look at and really try to understand before you start coming to me or anyone else uh, just with a with a machine gun full of questions. You know, it's kind of like when it, when it's become obvious that they're you know they're asking questions about things that could very easily be found uh, by a by even someone with like no Google foo whatsoever. Um, I I tend to try to say it as nicely as I can, but like, hey, you need to, you know, we're, we're giving you our time here to try to help you out. You need to do some of the legwork and not just rely on us or me or that person or whoever it may be um, to I had some, answer everything for you. I had somebody um, on the IRC channel for Laravel the other day um, about a week ago, and it started off, they were saying like, What's better, Laravel or Yi? And obviously everyone's like, shut up, go away. Um, <laughs> and I, and I, I kind of like, I had a bit of time. I was waiting on, I think I was waiting for uh, a book chapter to process. I was waiting for something slow, provisioning, you know. Um, <laughs> and uh, I was just like, fine, fuck it, I'll, I'll take this one on. Um, what is it you're trying to find out? Are you trying to evaluate the two projects? What, what sort of, what are your requirements for the project? What sort of functionality do you require? Does it does do all of these things have to work out of the box, or can you add in other components? Like what what's going on here, basically? Um, and he started off asking one or two fairly interesting questions, and it was like, how many platforms does the database package um, support? And I was like, okay, only four: MySQL, Postgres, SQLite, you know, Microsoft. And he was like, oh, okay. And then he kind of went through a few other questions, and and then it was like. Uh, does does Laravel have validation? I'm like, yeah, go to docs slash validation. Does Laravel have auth? Yeah, go to docs slash auth. Does Laravel have... And I was just like, oh, I'm going to fucking punt. It went on for like five minutes, and eventually I, I just I was just getting so mad. Um, it's just because it wouldn't stop. And I was like, fuck, now I've created this monster. Um, as I, uh, Anthony Ferreira just put it in IRC, I've created a vampire. Um, and he was just sucking the life force out of me, and he sucked all of the nice, willing, good intention out of me, and I just want to punch him in his stupid face. Uh, <laughs> <and> it, <laughs> it you, mean, you mean you don't start off every day wanting to punch people in the face? 
<laughs> I start off really nice. I have a certain amount of nice energy, and that just goes throughout the day. And it depends who I bump into on my daily routine, or or if I bump into someone that I hate if, on the high street like earlier tonight. That was weird. It, I have a certain amount of nice, caring energy, and it kind of degrades. And then after a certain number of stupid tweets and a certain number of fucking idiot interactions with business or anything else, I just go full Hulk, and I want to smash. And sometimes, sometimes it's Reddit, sometimes it's Twitter, sometimes it's just I'm at the pub and I've had a bad day. But I, uh, some people really maybe want to fucking punch him. It's <laughs> <laughs> But yes, uh, to wrap that up, yes, um, it can be really difficult once once you've started helping somebody. They are they're on there, they're on that teat, as it were, and they will not get off. And you just have to you have to cut them off. Um, yeah. However, that is, but money barrier, uh, politely referring them to some documentation. Yeah. Sending them a let me Google that for you link, saying fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know I I try to be as pleasant about it. And hope that they get the hint, like, you know, because a lot of times I'm on IRC, it's it's during work, and I, I'm kind of in and out. And if I get stuck into one of those kind of uh, vampire conversations, it's like, I've got other stuff that I've got to do. And taking 15, 20 minutes to answer things that you could very easily be Googling uh, isn't really high on my list of things to do. Um, so, yeah, I try, I try to be pleasant. And then I guess as it if, if it just continues, I tend to just get more firm and and try to you know try to end it as amicably as possible. But sometimes um, that's not that's not a possibility. Yeah, Matt, that's something that the uh, the same same tasty tasty schnitzel is apparently how I say the name. Um, it's just said uh, as a follow up: is it is permanently blocking them on your IM client morally acceptable in this case? I don't think morals really fall into it. Um, I think that it might be shooting yourself in the foot. Um, I think sometimes people, sometimes people are really, really frustrating. And in some cases, I've had to block people just because they won't fuck off. And every single day, they're asking me more and more and more and more and more. And they're blowing up my phone and they're doing my head in. And in that case, I have no qualms with blocking them. Um, yeah. If someone's just having a bit of a hard time and, and they haven't quite worked out how to Google things or they're not confident enough to go and find things out, then um, I I don't I wouldn't suggest blocking them because give it six months and that person might not still be in the same position and they might be quite smart and they might be able to help you on some things. I've had situations where um, someone's come running at me asking all sorts of dumb questions. I've ignored them for a while and then and then chat to them later on and I'm like oh fuck I didn't actually realize that that's that's awesome like they've they've taught me something so I, I don't think you should yeah. block people but definitely don't let them make your life hell. No. Yeah worth that i would say if like if you've made it kind of clear to them right because there's kind of that fine line of someone being annoying and it kind of turning into uh abuse might be too strong of a word but something similar to abuse where you're like okay i've I've told this person five times that i can't do this and they they keep pestering me they keep asking me you know question after question and they're just not respecting the fact that i don't have the time to do this um, I mean, I, I guess this is maybe one situation where I might be quicker to block someone than you, Phil. <laughs> that's, that's controversial. Phil's, uh, Phil's actually pretty quick. To put it, put it in perspective, before we could start the podcast today, Phil had to figure out how to unblock <laughs> me from Google <laughs> because I couldn't join the Hangout <laughs> because I was blocked. 
Um, to be fair, I didn't block you. PHP Town Hall blocked you. It's a different account. It's nothing to do the with The entity that is PHP Town Hall blocked me. <laughs> That's some advice I got from Chris Hartjess. He said block early, block often. Yeah. Um, he's, he said that to me a few times. Like he keeps he keeps pointing out that it's not my job to be twat whisperer. Like I see two people, I see two people on the internet that I might respect. I'm not going to mention any names, but I see two people arguing with each other, and I try to mediate because I can understand both sides to what they're saying, and I can see what he meant when he said that, and what you know they said when they said that, and I try and like resolve the situation. Um, and I just get into this massive argument where they're both shouting at me. It's like the guy that tries to break up a fight that's just getting punched from both sides. Yeah. Um, and the number of times uh, he's just been like, it's not your job to try and fix every argument on the internet. So when someone's arguing with me and I think like, oh, you're you're just too dumb to even insult. Like whenever that happens, I block them. Um, whenever whenever I see stupid people arguing, temporary block. You know, use use whatever your client does. Tweet Deck, I think, does that. It just kind of mutes them for a mutes while. Them, yeah. Um, there are t- there are two people in my life who I won't name um, that I've blocked in the last three months that have noticeably made my entire life better. Um, like just blocking those two people on a day to day basis. I walk about an inch higher. I'm just, I'm just that much fucking happier with life. Um, so every I now was, and then I was one of those people. Yeah. yeah I was going to yeah, say that. But uh, every now and then a block can really help you. Um, it's just like deleting somebody off the internet. It's like having them killed without the, the messy consequences. <laughs> Without going to jail, I'm never getting. Without, I'm never, yeah. without the FBI really, checking <laughs> your coin wallets. I'm, See, I'm I, never, I find I'm I don't never have to block people <laughs> on, on Twitter and stuff. I find that I've I've rarely rarely had to block people. Maybe I I'm block just people not... on IM. I don't. I rarely block people on Twitter. I'm pretty vocal. Like you know, here's my email. Here's my IM. Get in contact. And so I, I tend to get a lot of just bullshit there. So I'll block people on IM, but I rarely do on Twitter. I, I don't seem to find myself in the same kind of conversations though that you and Chris do, Phil. You guys get into really uh, uh, animated discussions with people at times. That yeah. I've not I've not mastered how to do that yet. Yeah, it's a weird one because most of the time on Twitter, it's it, you, you're probably agreeing with each other. You just can't tell, and that's why I've kind of got bored of it. Like me and Anthony don't have those arguments anymore because whenever we whenever we uh, did like a few times we met up for a beer afterwards, and we'd be like, "Oh, I meant this," and he'd be like, "Oh, I meant that," and we'd be like, "Oh, yeah, we we both agree." Like half the time, it is just Twitter. Um, and and it's really frustrating that like you can you can get on really really well with somebody in public and you can you can just talk to them over a beer and have like really interesting chats and even when you don't agree on everything that like, you both learn and you both adapt and you're both better. Whereas on Twitter it's like I I hate you I never want to talk to you again shut up you're an idiot like it just it, it just degrades <laughs> so quickly that you just you just hate them because you can't really get any sort of sense of what's happening from them. It's just um, I disagree with that that little string that you just said so therefore you're wrong it's it's weird that twitter and people are that different so i'm going to try and not argue on the internet it's my new thing so uh, just trying just to stay, this, stay off reddit then phil sturgeon <laughs> not arguing on the internet i've i've blocked reddit from my host file wow you've uh, changed yeah <laughs> It's just not constructive for me anymore. I blew a fuse the other day. I got, um, I got so angry with a bunch of people. I posted about uh, PHP women. Um, uh, somebody, the podcast we did, episode twenty-five, was covering PHP women, and it was some for and against arguments of of the way that the group uh, is, 
it was a very open-ended conversation but one of the aspects of it was about how php women is just for women and it's not um it's it's kind of a marketing thing that's kind of tricky for some people to understand but the name the name of php women is kind of you know makes people think it's just for women and of course it's not so this person wrote a blog article uh, it was it was a guy who wrote the article that explained that php women helped him out um, and got him a ticket to a conference he never could have got to otherwise. Um, so I posted that on Reddit because I thought that would be a very useful thing for Reddit to see. I've seen a lot of people complaining about how PHP Women is just for women. It's not. So I posted that article and loads and loads and loads of people replied to that article saying, oh, the thing I hate about PHP Women is that it's just for women. I was like, you didn't, you didn't read the article, did you? You obviously... <laughs> you obviously haven't read the article. And even though I was saying, go and read the fucking article, they were like replying being, oh yeah, no, well, I mean, I had a quick look, but I, I just hate the fact that it's just for women. I was like, read the fucking article, you absolute clown. You're a waste of fucking space. Like, I just caught, I just, I just, <clears throat> so angry. It didn't help that I'd been drinking, but I just got fed up with it. Like, you can't, you can't battle that level of ignorance. You can't fix it. And I don't, I don't even know why I was I... trying. Like, why, why is it my job to try and fix dumb? It's not. Nope. Yeah. So, so two things on that. Like, uh, when I first saw PHP Women, I kind of had that same reaction. Like, why is there why is there a group only for women? Like, I thought we were all about like including everything and like being inclusive. And so, I did something really shocking, and I went and I found somebody who was involved in it and asked them about it. Right. So I I went and found out the answer to the to the problem that I thought I saw with this thing first before I saw it was a problem. And then the second thing to your to your point about like uh, you know is it like arguing on the internet or like trying to to I guess shepherd people into understanding something I think that's really a prime way to burn yourself out it's like really get to that rage quit point is just your you know it it's okay if some people don't get something it's okay if they don't read something like you just put it out there and as it's gonna help somebody and that's like kind of where where I look at things is if I helped one person with whatever I had to say, that's that's great. If 50 people didn't get it because they had their own preconceived idea of how something exists, then that's their problem. It's not really mine. So I don't. I tend to try to not let stuff like that bother me. So that kind of ties back into, you know, blocking and everything you were talking about earlier. Where, you know, I I don't tend to block that many people. I've blocked a few people just out of sheer annoyance with things that they've said. But uh, I, I try to look at things as minimal or or as like the the minimal impact like or like what what can i actually do to provide some impact in somebody's life so if it's two people great if it's two thousand people even better but i don't worry about the 15 people that dislike it because there's they're always going to be there or they're just trolling so not a big deal so i didn't really get a chance to talk about this earlier and i, I know it's getting a little bit a bit late now but i did kind of want to talk about some of this stuff and it was kind of you know, free psychiatric help, maybe. But um, like, I wanted to get into maybe why why I argued, just just, just to see if anyone kind of gets the benefit out of this, because I feel like I had a real epiphany over the last couple of days, and um, and I had like a, an insight into myself, uh, like into my psyche about some shit, and it was a bit, and I was like, why have I been doing all this? Um, and I feel like kind of the the with me, the arguing always felt like there was there was a, a point, like there was a, a way to help solve a problem um, and that problem was always different it was things like in the coding night community there was always a lot of people that would get bent out of shape over something that was actually good news but they couldn't quite understand why it was a good thing 
right? Like um, when the new documentation system came in, they were freaking out about how they'd have to install Python on their web servers to run the Sphinx system. I was like, no, you only have to install Python to, to run the documentation generation. You don't have to install Python on your servers. So I'd get involved in these kind of like clearing up FUD conversations. And if I saw somebody out there saying, this thing is true when it was wrong, I'd be very concerned that that person would be going around spreading misinformation and it would it would then fall into my interests to, to turn that person's opinion around so that he'd then become a representative of the truth and he'd help make my job easier because he would be explaining the true thing instead of the bullshit thing. Because the number of people I've seen that go around, they read this FUD and then they sp- you know spread it off themselves, that makes shit really difficult. So for me, it was always like, if I can convince these people to stop actually being like literally wrong, it was never like arguing opinions. I think A and you think B, therefore I'm right because fuck you. It's always, this is factually, legitimately what's happening. And you're saying the opposite of that. And you're actually causing a problem. Um, I feel like that, I was, able, I was capable of doing that when it was just the coding Nights community I was addressing. When it was just, you know, Code Igniter users and I knew what was right and they didn't necessarily know, I felt like I could easily kind of um, write a blog post and fix it. And there'd be a few people that go, oh, and then I'd reply to them and then it would be fixed. But then recently I kind of grew into the general PHP community, not just Code Igniter, the general PHP community. And then there were things like the fig and I got involved in internals and there were all these other aspects of the community that I got into. And I realized that I was just trying to take on too much of an argument like there are always going to be those people you can't help everyone learn what's actually happening right and then that just led to burnout and i was like why don't you fucking people listen i don't know it was maybe i lost my point in there somewhere but does that does that make any sense to people like why i was trying to argue yeah i I think i understand it i just don't think i had the same need to make people right that you do so like i see someone being wrong and i'm just like Welcome, you know. Whereas you feel like I need to, I need to teach them why they're wrong. Basically, that seems yeah. kind of similar to what um what I have yeah, I... recently, where he kind of rage quit PHP mailing list. Right? It seems like a similar path to me. Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, no, I, I was just gonna say that I kind of have the the approach where I I will happily tell you once, or I like happily tell you why what you're doing is wrong or whatever, or why I think what you're doing is wrong once. And then it's up to you at that point. Like I'm not going to continually try to information that I see about something. If I've said something one, I don't really have that need to constantly correct people or think that everyone has to think the same way that I do. Like I, but yeah, if it's, if it's blatantly wrong, like if it's something that's obviously factually incorrect, I would just point it out in a, in a very public place and point that person to it or whatever. That's hilarious. I just, I'm watching Ben in the corner just eating something horribly. He's just yeah. shoving food in his face. Um, no, absolutely. I'll say, I'll jump in here and I'll say, um, so I've kind of, so I was that person a long time ago, right? Kind of, I, I could relate to everything that you're saying. Um, at the time, it wasn't uh, it wasn't so much with like technology and stuff, but it was just kind of the way I was wired. Like, I knew the right answer, and somebody was giving the wrong answer, or um, re- really anything. I mean, social etiquette, uh, things like that. Like, I, I used to fight a lot, 
believe it or not, and um, be really loud and be really uh, argumentative. And and I would ten years ago I would be getting into those same same kind of loud conversations with people and end up you know blocking them or calling them a name. Um, so as someone now you know ten years later, kind of on the other side of that, uh, I I know for me it was like. I got to a point where I saw what I was doing was destructive for myself. Like, I wasn't really all that concerned about the people I was trying to help, but you know, I was just like, uh, I'd find that I'd get into a conversation like that or I'd get into a fight or something, and then I'd come home and be with my family, like the people I'm supposed to care about, and somebody would do something you know, mildly annoying, and I'd just fly off the handle. I just became like a rage monster like all the time. And so I really worked on um, correcting that, and I got, like, so far over to the other side now where, like, if someone's wrong, I, I have I, I tend to have a lot more patience. And I found at that point it's really easy to kind of get taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. So I was way over here, now I'm way over here, and now I'm kind of trying to find myself a little bit back into the middle where I could get upset about things that I really care about that really, you know, that really require me to get upset about. Um, and kind of everything else, just try to reply as nicely and as, as, you know, be as friendly about it as I can. And then if it doesn't work from there, then, yeah, just kind of either block them or, or get rid yeah. of that conversation. But, yeah, I found that I kind of overcorrected. I can see that. I can see that being a problem, and that actually sounds exactly like the story of uh, Ed Finkler. Um, yeah. I, I first heard about him kind of addressing his angry internet problems, where he would just kind of, uh, you know, put up with a lot of shit, and then eventually just Hulk smash on somebody for no apparent reason. It could be yeah. like some, somebody close to him in his life, and he just freak, you know, freak out at them, and he'd be kind of shit to people around him, and that was terrible. Yeah. Um, but it's a weird one for me because the difficulty is it's not. There are a couple of uh, Jeff. I, I'm sure. He, Something you said was like, I don't feel the need to, to be right. And, and for me, it's, it's a weird situation because I also don't feel the need to be right. Um, it's more that it's more that I hate other people being wrong. And it's never about opinions, literally. It, it, to use an example, if someone's running around saying the world is flat, then I will, punt, I, will, I will start off politely explaining that the world is actually round. Then eventually, if they keep on saying it, I will eventually get frustrated and eventually I want to hit them. You know what I mean? That, that really does my head in. But... I think that's my biggest problem is that I don't like other people being wrong. Um, it's not that I have to be right myself because um, it's not, and it's not to do with opinions. It's like if something is backed up by science and numbers and facts, the same way you do when, um, when I'm not sure about something, I go and ask the person um, who's involved. So recently there's been a, a string of articles about um, PHP next generation. People don't really know what it is. They don't know what they're talking about. They've, re- they've been uh, releasing articles on uh, phpclasses.org and um, and sitepoint.com. They both released articles that were full of shit information, just com- actually flagrantly wrong, flagrantly factually wrong. And the trouble is, hundreds of thousands of people saw that article, those two articles, yeah. maybe like 100,000, right? I've looked at these, the numbers for my visa that they've been helping me out. A lot of people look at those. And a lot of people are then getting shit, factually incorrect information. So I took half an hour out of my day to write a big article to, to Bruno over at SitePoint, and I helped him correct his article. So that was one of those situations where actually yeah, kind of arguing um, 
really did help the situation because I, I actually solved it. Um, I've, I've still got to write a much larger email to, to Manuel Lemos explaining how his article was flagrantly wrong about everything. But again, that's, that's something I have to take time out of my day to fix the situation. And it's, it's an argument, but it, it's because they are factually wrong and it's not an opinion. Um, and it's, it's stuff like that that makes it difficult for me because there have been so many times where I've had these arguments because I am right. And it's not, you know, what, you know, opinions, it's I'm right. Um, I, I, it's because I've had so many of these things where I actually have kind of solved a problem that I can't stop. And I get this fucking superhero cape on my back where I'm like, ta-da-da, Sturgeon to save the day. I'm going to tell you what's left. And it's just a really stupid situation that I can't stop doing because I've had some successes. I now have to try and every single time I'm like, that's not correct. Let me help. And it's just, it's a really weird thing that I can't stop doing. Now, do you, so do you, do you think ahead, that's then. like, do you think that's more for you or more for the people? Like, is it, um, not trying to be an asshole here, but is it more no, the ego builder or is it more the, like a white knight kind of thing? I genuinely don't know. Um, I, I, it might be. Um, I think my ego's gone wild over the last year with, with being invited to a bunch of conferences and my, my career skyrocketed and now I'm back in the UK, people are inviting me to shit left, right and centre. So I think you, you go, are you are very sexy. <laughs> Just look at this face, I'm wearing a v-neck, who doesn't want me? Um, I, it might be, it might be ego, but it also, in a lot of ways, is that I don't, I fucking hate misinformation. I really, like, if me and my friends have a, have a, a confusion over something, like if they walk away thinking I meant something that I didn't, didn't mean, like my words portrayed my, my feelings wrong, um, and I realize that later, like, I'll obsess over that. So I think it's part of my personality that I fucking hate misunderstandings. Um, so whenever someone, like, publishes an article and that misunderstanding is going out to 100,000 people, that fucks me right off. Like, it's it's more like an OCD thing than a I have to prove how right I am to everyone thing. Um, at least I hope, I think. I, I couldn't tell you, I guess. I think that's valid. I think the only, you know, at, at that point, like, if something is factually wrong, yeah, that that kind of stuff bothers me too, especially when it's it's like that situation where you're like, no, I know that you're absolutely wrong about this. And I think part of the thing that's kind of helped me over the years, like I used to be pretty fired up about if someone said something was absolutely wrong, I would correct them and and like, I will correct you until you understand that you're wrong. Uh, but after I got married, that was kind of when I learned the skills around like, I'll tell you the right answer. I'll tell you what is what is true right here. And then, you know, you do that information, whatever you want. Uh, but eventually you're going to figure out that I was right. And, you know, that's fine. So that's that's kind of where I learned that skill of just, hey, I, I've done something. So, or you, you're saying something wrong. I'm just going to put out the information that's right, point you to it. If you don't want to deal with that, if you don't want to like, reconcile that or fix it, that's really not on me i've already i've already done all i can do to tell you that you're wrong and so i i learned to not let that kind of stuff bother me but i think it's just a personal thing and i don't, I don't think it's wrong either way like i think it's just you know yeah. however much energy you want to devote to something as long as you're not driving yourself to rage quitting i think it's it's fine <laughs> i think that's the problem for a while i was okay with it um over the last six months it kind of ramped up a little bit and in the last month it just hockey spiked and it just like literally the other day I freaked out at somebody um, I, I shouted at Paul M. Jones in a way that was just completely unacceptable and that was when I realized holy fuck I've got a problem here 
like it's, this has gone from being something that was fine. I was helping people learn beyond, you know, despite their intentions. I was kind of helping, forcing correctness upon them. Um, and then I just had so much stupid happen uh, that I just freaked out at all and it was, it was not okay. And I was like, right, I need to stop this. I need to get the fuck off Reddit. I need to focus on getting some freelance projects done. I need to, you know, get some, get some things off my to-do list. I need to stop giving a fuck about what random internet people think and just get on with my life. Um, and in the last three days, I've, I've been much happier for just really focusing on my work. Um, ben? I did really uh, kind of admire how you handled that, though, because you, you realized, hey, I freaked the fuck out, and then you apologized for it publicly. It was, um, if more people would do that, we would have a lot less drama. Yeah. So really, props to you, dude, for... Yeah, seriously, yeah. And I noticed that, too. Yeah, you owned it like a man and said, you know, owned up to a mistake that you made, and, you know, Paul's a, Paul's a good dude, and... You know, I think, uh, yeah, I was impressed to see that too. He's a, he's a facade lover, but he's a good guy. <laughs> Don't start. <laughs> nice. He, well, he does uh, love he does love his facades. Hey, hey, Aura has facades. We're testing you. I'm saying Aura has facades. <laughs> I might have wrote them along with David's family, <laughs> but it has them. <laughs> Nice. Well, um, on that bombshell, I think we've been recording for two hours now, so this might be a time to, to consider calling it Well, quits. there are technically two podcasts here, so that's an hour each. That's fine. We can take the half that we prefer. It's um, <laughs> <laughs> a quick one. It's a quick one before we pop, pop off. Um, did you guys think of a composer package that you were that you were very impressed with? Uh, with not, not one that's yours. Um, not one that belongs to the PHP League, but uh, is there anything out there that you are very impressed with that you'd like to give a shout out to people? Jeff, Jeff, how about you take this one? And we'll listen for your answer about five minutes from now when your life catches up. <laughs> um, let's see, composer packages that I really, really like. Um, there isn't there isn't that many that I find myself using a lot. So there's nothing that's really been substantially useful to me. Um, and you already took the one that I was going to say that I used recently just for uh, fun away by saying, I can't mention the league package, but uh, okay. You uh, can mention, mention the league package. You can mention the league package, but me and uh, me and Matt are both involved with it. So we'd just be pimping our own goods. But if you, if you have one you like, you crack on. All right, fine. So uh, <laughs> I was working on an OAuth project. Uh, for there was uh, using the OAuth two client actually uh, was actually useful to me because I wrote my own adapter for our our personal or our own uh, provider and used that and it worked without a hitch so there was no issues there so if you're doing OAuth I would definitely suggest checking out that OAuth two client from the league. Excellent. I think Matt, you've got a little bit of code in there, haven't you? Yeah. I did some of the uh, Python stuff with you for a while. Oh, that was that was the Twitter one. That's the yeah, yeah, yeah. The, 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 the Twitter Python port. That was that was a lot of uh, actually. I found more than anything working on that actually um, helped improve my my Vim skills quite a bit. Because oh, all the uh, reformatting and stuff from Python to PHP uh, was fantastic. So I I was able to do a lot of that stuff with big Vim commands and, you know, change self to this and all that kind of stuff. So that was cool. Yeah. 
Um, and actually, that, that's a really interesting project for anyone that wants to take it on, um, is pick any any Python package, any random Python package that you like, and try and port it to PHP. Whether you release it or not, I don't care. Um, but just just try it. It's really interesting. Um, whenever I do it, it makes me really, really upset about PHP syntax. Um, like the, the lack of name parameters, the lack of um, the lack of uh, uh, list comprehension. Um, there are various different aspects of Python syntax that I find to be oh, it's just it's so lovely. Like <laughs> can be do without it, and then you find yourself like, okay, better make this work in PHP then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was. I mean, the first probably what the first two nights that we worked on it. You were like, I'm gonna start at the bottom and start going up, and you start at the top and start going down, and we'll run into each other whenever we run into each other, and it was all, it, it was kind of a mess. Yeah. What's but, your package anyway, Matt? Uh, you know, I've actually run into this uh, a few times. It's a package that everybody knows and everybody's heard of. Um, so I, I found myself using it a lot as I've done a lot more of this OAuth and API stuff. Uh, so. You've all heard of it. I just want to kind of implore everyone to use it if you're ever making requests, and that's Guzzle. Like, don't write your own curl wrapper or do any other sort of nonsense like that. Like, Guzzle, just use it. Just literally just use it, yeah. If you're going to make a HTTP request, fuck off. I don't care what your special snowflake excuse is. Just use it. Use use Guzzle. Just it, with with <laughs> headers and with I mean it, it's just there's there's literally at this point anyway there's literally no reason not to use it yeah not a good one um, people will spout performance probably um, but with PHP five having APC um, uh, send optimizer built in the fact that it has to load four or five classes to to perform it I zero just, fucks given just, just use, use it, it. <laughs> I mean the, the the performance trade-offs that you might be making um, don't even compare to, in my mind anyway, don't even compare to the, the how easy it is to use and how awful it is to actually work with the curl extension. So, you know, yeah, it might take you an extra little bit of time or whatever. I, I wouldn't even consider that as a reason not to use it, though. Fair enough. Ben, what you got? I uh, I think Composer is kind of overrated. I still use um, phpclasses.org. So, um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I'm actually going to say PHP unit because I think it's pretty cool that they basically deprecated everything else and they're going mostly Composer now. So if you haven't if you haven't heard Grumpy Programmer just whining on Twitter all day about how you should test. You should probably check out PHP Unit and start testing. Are you oh, sucking up? Actually, I thought that was an insult. Is that sucking up? I don't know. You you, you mentioned PHP Unit. It sounds like you're uh, sounds like you're he sucking up a little bit. PHP Unit. I mean, well, I know, but you're because he capitalizes on someone else's work all day long. Doesn't Dude, mean he does it. I I know what you're doing. I can I can see through you. He's like four times my size. He could squish me. Yeah, four. Try like five or six. <laughs> yeah, I'm with Matt on that. That's a that's science. That's just legitimate fact. Yeah, it's you're you're short, dude. <laughs> like you're legitimately <laughs> short. I'm short. You're short. 
I like I like how he went from just like a ha ha joke about him being slightly larger to Matt just being like, yeah, but Ben, you're you're short though, right? You, you, you know that. <laughs> Comes from someone whose Twitter ID is short white bald guy. Yeah, like, but yours would have like three O's in it. Like, so you're you short, like, dude. You like me, Matt? Every time I pass someone. Like, let's say I'm in the store, and I pass someone shorter than me. I always whisper over to my wife, like, I could kick his ass right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't do that. Uh, I don't know. I mean, we, we're on kind of two different things. Like, I'm walking around kind of at, like, armpit level for most people, but you're kind of like at that. Like, dude, butt, I kick some butt butt level, ass. Dude. Dude, I, so just, like when, <laughs> I woke up, and there's just midgets flying everywhere. I'm just kicking the shit out of them. We got different smells going on at our different uh, at our different altitudes. Which which of the states do midget tossing as a sport? I don't think I could pick up a midget at my size because they're just a little shorter than me, not much. Are you allowed to say midget because you're short? Yeah, it's totally acceptable. It's on his driver's license. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, to wrap this one up, um, <laughs> my package... Are there any groups we haven't fitted yet? Because we're just going around the circle here. <laughs> Scottish people. We'll get them covered next week. No, actually, in the IRC, someone said that they thought you were Scottish, so there we go. I'm I'm 25% Scottish, so that basically works. I only wear a dress sometimes. Um, See, all these years I thought you were Australian because of the accent. <laughs> Shut up. Um, so my package is uh, is wonderful. Um, it's uh, Dingo API is the name of the... <laughs> I didn't mean to do that. I apologize to everyone that just heard that. Um so the composer package that I will recommend is uh, is Dingo slash API, um, and what it is is a kind of a, a plugin to uh, to Laravel that basically makes it even better for making a RESTful API. Um, so it handles things like um, it integrates with our O2 server, as Jeff's already recommended, um, the, from the league. Um, you can use that O2 server. It handles things like uh, rate limiting and um, returning different content types and a bunch of other really cool stuff. So Dingo API, go and check it out. Um, and yeah, that's it. I'm calling time on this epic podcast. It's literally double length, uh, but that's just because we talked about a bunch of stuff. So thanks for asking the questions, everybody. Um, and thanks for joining us for the uh, the worst and the worst was a couple podcast and the best PHP town hall podcast. So. <laughs> Yeah, sounds about right. Sounds about right. It's fun to have you guys on the show. We should do it more often. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's fun. We gotta, we gotta get Jeff. We gotta get you a better connection, though, my man. Maybe we should do it sometime when I have a better internet connection. Yeah, I was concerned that's, that it that's was, what was me. Say, I, yeah, I'm in a random random hotel in the middle of a small town that's surrounded by fields. So the fact that you're in San Francisco and you're about five years behind the the lag doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Isn't San Francisco where the internet was invented, dude? <laughs> so well, I'm in the mission, miss- so it's kind of hit or miss in San Francisco. Oh, dear. <laughs> well, I'm just glad that you haven't been mugged whilst we've been recording this Dude, show, so. you could still get that homeless person lick going on in the mission. Yeah, dude. I could, yeah. I, I may do that Go after this. It. Go sleep out in the street, dude. Wow. <laughs> Trying try to wrap this episode up is like herding kittens. This is not going very well. <laughs> Everybody, good night. Just, just good night. <laughs> Good night, Twitter. Good night.